Hi there, I want to ask you a question. Do you think that retail stores and retail shops in the high street are dead? Do you think it's a dying business? Is it over? Well, I don't think so. I would say no. And I want to tell you today why I think retail in the high street is very much alive and still has a future if it's done correctly. My name is Charles Kelly. I'm the author of the book, Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness, and soon to launch a new book. So watch out for that. And I've produced over 300 podcasts. So if you see this on whatever channel you're watching, please like, subscribe and share it out there in the universe so more people get hold of this free content. I do appreciate that. I can't always thank everybody because I don't always know who's sharing and, and where it's going. But but thank you if you are doing that for me. I really do appreciate that. Right. So High Street. Well, it's gone through a tough time, hasn't it? We've seen lots of stores in the UK closing down. Uh, big stores like Debenhams, um, Maplins, you know, national stores, Gap have closed all their retail stores. And, and we've seen a bit, bit of a bloodbath in the last couple of years, not just because of the, the lockdowns, but this has kind of been coming for, for a while. And, you know, we've seen hundreds of stores, but I still think there's a place for retail and physical shops for many years to come. Now, even with the rise of Amazon and, and other online retailers, obviously, did you know that over 85% of retail, 85% of stuff that's bought in the UK is still made offline? It's still done by going in the high street. And that's that's still the case, even with, with the lockdown situation. And also, another thing is that 20% of stores or over 20% of store owners are not even engaging online. So there is 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 a gap there in the market. They need to, if you're, if you're in that sort of, uh, situation you're you're not engaging with your customers online then contact me because I'll, I'll i'll help you get yourself online and get yourself engaging with you know the potential millions of customers out there that you're not seeing walking in and out of your door or walking down the street now in a strange twist here we see stores like you know companies like amazon the, you know the online retail giant the biggest online re online retailer in the world are actually opening offline physical stores in the high street it, it's isn't that doesn't that seem strange and and apple you know apple doesn't need a shop really does it but i'm sure they make a lot of money from their stock you know they've got huge flagship stores i mean multi-million pound stores it must have cost millions just to refit those stores with glass floors and you know fabulous stores in london in and they've got two in london very near to each other and and most other uh, cities and malls, major malls, would have an Apple store, and that's like a hub of, of that place. You know, they, they get people in, a lot of people go in there, don't even buy anything, they just charge their phone or look around or touch the products and that sort of thing. You know, they've changed the way retail is done, Apple, but of course they've got their customer base already. Now, in, in another move, online retailers like, like Gymshark and the Fashion Bible are set to open large stores in, in the high street, bricks and mortar shops, in prime retail space next year. Now there's another twist. Gymshark, uh, which only started about 10 years ago, completely online, started as an online retailer, completely online, is opening an 18,000 square foot store in London's Regent Street, which is one of the most expensive retail places and sought after retail places in, in the country, if not in the world. And just down the road uh, in, in Oxford Street, we see that London's luxury department store group, Selfridges, you may have seen that in London, is now being sold to the Thai conglomerate, conglomerate uh, for four billion. Now, Selfridges is a fabulous store. I've been using that, that, that store for years since I was a child. You know, I, I love that store. 
Uh, it's got something special about it. It's, it's, it's a bit like Harrods, but not, not in Knightsbridge. It's a few miles away in Oxford Street, which is a, a sort of busier, uh, perhaps less, slightly less upmarket retailer than, than uh, Harrods, but still an, an iconic store. I mean, you see it in, 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 in Oxford Street, in the prime place between Marble Arch and Bond Street. I mean, it takes up a whole block. You know, it's, it's a huge, big block of uh, a building that, that's got basements. It's got, you know, multiple floors. Uh, I, I remember when I was working in the area years ago, I'll tell you a quick story uh, to digress slightly, is that someone I knew that worked there said, do, do you know they have a, a great staff canteen which serves proper food at lunchtime? And, you know, if you know the way up there, you can just go in there. They're not going to uh, uh, sort of ask any questions. And, and for, for quite a while, I was going in there and eating in the, in the staff canteen, which was called subsidized prices, great food, and nobody bothered me. And, and then they started finding out that, you know, they, they had something like, I think, 4,000 staff and, and they were serving 5,000 meals a day. And I thought, something's going wrong here. So they started asking for passes and that sort of thing. I mean, you couldn't do that thing nowadays, but it was just a funny thing. I mean, I wasn't ripping them off or anything. I was just going and enjoying their food. I was a customer of theirs as well. Uh, but that, that, that's the kind of place they are. And I love that the, the wine shop they used to have there, uh, which I think is gone now, but you could sort of sit in this wine store and, and look over the, the floor, the ground floor, and this sort of mezzanine floor. Always loved uh, Selfridges. Uh, but uh, it's been owned by a family and uh, for many years and are now selling it off. But this, this, this company's not only got the, 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 the Oxford Street store, but they've got 25 outlets, uh, including branches in Dublin, Netherlands, and Canada. Uh, so it's, it's an iconic store founded in 1908 by the, the U.S., retail magnet called Gordon Selfridge, funny enough, and it was featured in a TV drama on ITV a couple of years back. Now, the current owners are the billionaire Western family uh, agreed the sale terms with the, the central group, um, according to the Times and the BBC. So that's another thumbs up, really, for retail. They don't think it's dead, do they? They're, they're investing $4 billion in, in UK retail stores. Now, the central group is, is a group started in Bangkok, 1956, and it's still a family-owned group. And the business has, has, has been taken global by the son's owner, Samrit. I can't even pronounce the name. But it now boasts 3,700 shops around the world, from supermarkets to electronic outlets and department stores in Europe. Strange enough, I, I don't know the company. I've never heard of them. But 3,700 shops. And they're obviously not pulling back, are they? They're going for it. They're, they're now investing $4 billion in the Selfridges Group. And, and they've changed a lot, Selfridges. I mean, in the past, much of their, 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 their clothing they sold, I mean, because it is mainly clothing in department stores, but much of the clothing stores was, was Selfridges' own brand. You could buy a Selfridges' own, you look in the label, it was Selfridges or, or Harrods, you know, you, it was own brand stuff. And it was very good stuff as well. But now they're, they're mainly uh, a, a space for outlets. So if you go in there now, you'll see Hugo Boss, you'll see Shiruti and... Gucci and, and, and they've got, they rent space in the store. So it's a massive really rental business now. They just rent space to the store. So you'll, you know, you'll see all the, the gym wear won't be Selfridges gym wear. It will be somebody else, maybe Gymsharks or whatever. But you know, that, that has changed, but they're still doing very well as a company. It's very much a hub in that part of, of Oxford Street. And people go there to eat and, and the lovely food stores as well. Uh, so, so it's interesting that, you know, it's a big thumbs up for, for retail. And, you know, I, I just wonder now how Amazon and Gymshark 
and, and the Fashion Bible will succeed and prosper where the likes of Debenhams have died after over 100 years of trading? Well, the answer, I think, is twofold. I mean, firstly, uh, companies like Debenhams and, and other stores like Gap and House of Fraser had, had kind of lost their way uh, in, in the past few years. They, 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 they literally, um, you know, kind of fallen behind with the times, failed to stay current. And, you know, things happen like that in mature businesses. We see businesses grow and then gradually decline, uh, you know, sometimes because of family things, like the, the generational thing of a family. But I don't know what it is, but somehow they, they'd fallen behind. Um, and, and you know, I, I just think that they hadn't kept up with the times. And they certainly hadn't uh, adapted to, to online retail, and that, that, that's for sure. Now, secondly, and more importantly, these on online retailers like, like Amazon have a massive advantage over a traditional bricks and mortar shop. They, and that is, of course, that they know their customers. They, they know everything about their customers. I mean, Amazon knows everything about its customers like me. They know what I'm looking for. They know what I might rebuy and repurchase. Uh, and, and that, you know, whereas most shops I walk in and out of, uh, no, no, nothing about me. Absolutely nothing. I was in a shop today. Walked in. Said, yeah, here's your money. Here's your. Do you want a bag? No. Right. You know. And that's it. And and you know they're not asking me to to sign up for anything. To sign up for a free card. Um. Then they're not asking. All they they know about me is that the only transaction they've got re record about me is is the card transaction. And that's it. You know. They 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 have a lot of people walking in and out of this little store, but. They, they, and it's not a little store, by the way. It's, it's a big national chain of, of card. Uh, it's a card factory. Uh, but they, they never sort of ask for a, a loyalty thing or, you know, would you like to, to get this for that if, if you sign up for this or just get this uh, loyalty card? Nothing. It's, 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 it's crazy. Even, um, uh, uh, you know, some of the coffee stores, they have a, a loyalty card, but it's just a piece of paper that they stamp every time you, you use the... the the, 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 the coffee place or you buy a coffee you get you know you buy 10 you get one free I think other places like Costa and, and uh, Starbucks have a more sophisticated approach to that but a lot of the stores know nothing about me and you know unless these stores change their ways and start engaging with their customers and of course potential customers people that you know are not even buying from them at the moment they're going to face a tough time ahead there's no doubt about it and you know but those who adapt like Argos, for instance, is, is a very successful kind of warehouse store where you, you used to go in and open a catalogue and you could take away the catalogues and kids loved looking at the catalogues and what toys they wanted to buy and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, a lovely concept. Been going for years, uh, but they've adapted now. They, they, I, th I think they might still have a, a paper-based catalogue, but when you go in there, they used to have a, a counters with catalogues and you'd file through them and that sort of thing, flip through them and see if you can get to it get to the product you want. Now they're all screens, they're all uh, little sort of iPad type screens where you press the button and, and search for stuff. So, so they've changed and now a lot of their stuff is done online. So you go online, I don't think their website is great by the way, but you know you can go online, pick what you want, check out and, and pick it up at the store or get it delivered. Next is the same, they combine online with off, offline sales. You can go online with Next, you can go to the store, try it on. It's a clothing retailer in case you don't know them. And if you don't like it, you give it back to the staff there and then. You haven't have to post it back or anything. And a lot of people like that. It's, it's, it's been working very, very well. And they're not the only ones. Um, you know, there's, there's other stores who work like that and, and they are prospering and, and they will survive. 
and, and thrive in the business because it's a big war out there. Everybody wants our money. So if you're a retailer, a business owner, and you're not online at the moment, or you're, you perhaps you've got a static website that doesn't do anything for you, contact me and we'll, we'll look at some ideas as how, how you can increase your business online and combine it with online and offline and get more people walking in your door. Because certainly if you just sit there and wait, uh, for customers to walk in, it, I don't think it's going to work in this in this market. You know, traditional advertising like the local papers that that's kind of dying a death now. Uh, so you've got to look at social media. You've got to look at ideas, new ideas to get people walking in the door. And I do see a lot of high street shops opening and then closing because you know they've just got no idea how to get people through the door. One local uh, fish and chip shop opened up in in the last few months. It's gone clothes kaput you know they've got five stores and, and you have to say that other places are, are thriving and doing well and some are not and so it's not just all about the re you know high street is dead it's not it's changing it, you have to adapt high street will change uh, for, for instance some of the stores in in oxford street are, are adapting their model they're, they're not having five floors of retail they're perhaps having two or three floors of retail and then flats above and I, and I know a surveyor that works in in the west end and he said none of his clients defaulted on their rents uh, during the the lockdown period they've all paid their rents and and many are, are and, and this includes some offices as well i know we've seen some offices close but this includes offices this is in the prime area of london you know mayfair and 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 uh, knightsbridge and belgravia you know you don't see many places closed down in, in these areas anyway i know they're having a hard time but they're adapting to the new market they're selling off space for, for apartments and luxury apartments and so so they will adapt and they, they will survive i'm sure you know uh, business people in the uk are, are very innovative and they will turn things around and survive whether it's brexit lockdown or whatever that they will do now other news average house prices have continued to rise uh, the annual growth of an average home, home in the UK rose slightly to 10% in November, year on year to November, not when in one month, but this is a year on year average growth, still growing at 10%. And that's up slightly from 9.9% on the previous year. This is according to nationwide building society figures. And as I said before, we'll see other figures like from the Halifax and that sort of thing. But it shows that the market is still going up slightly, uh, even as we're coming into to winter. We'll have to see what happens during the winter. There's a free property web class, by the way, you can join. Click on the link below if, you, if you're interested in that. Other news is that stock markets are still choppy. They're still volatile um, as, as new COVID variant restrictions are introduced. Uh, we've seen a few uh, government announcements this week, uh, some more um, briefings in Downing Street with the, with the prime minister there, the men in grey suits, the scientists that have suddenly become celebrities uh, telling us that, we have to do this or that. I won't go into a whole detail about it, but it, you know, it shows that business could slow down as a result of it. They haven't locked down in the UK, but in other countries they have. Uh, Germany's introducing big restrictions. Austria's introducing big restrictions. Greece is, is going to fine people for not getting vaccinated uh, 100 euros a month until they comply. And, and then when, if you don't comply, I guess it will be prison. Or if you don't pay the fine, it could be prison. Germany is, is, is wants to bring in mandatory vaccinations. There's riots going on there. Uh, so the more you bring in restrictions, the more business is going to be affected. People are going to be out less. London is very quiet on the streets, to be honest. Um, so people are out less. They're, they're not going out spending money. Uh, they're nervous. It, it just it doesn't create a very feel good feeling, does it? It doesn't create the right atmosphere 
for for having a good Christmas and getting out and doing lots of shopping. So I'd, I'd be interested to see what happens there. But stock markets have certainly been volatile. They've recovered slightly. Then they've gone down a bit today. I don't know how they will end today, but it's been a little bit choppy. Uh, some some shares have gone down quite fast. I mean, the airline shares and travel and that sort of thing has, has gone down. Uh, America is starting to introduce or possibly will introduce restrictions on people traveling within the, the country. They must be vaccinated to travel interstate. That's interesting. Uh, inflation. We talked about this in the last few months. Now, the retail prices index in the, in the UK has hit 6%. Now, that's different from the other way of measuring inflation. Retail price index is the RPI, which is the traditional way of measuring inflation. That's been around since the 1940s. But they brought in a new measure, which is always lower than RPI, called the CPI, Consumer Prices Index, and that stands at 4.2%. So on the old measure, the old way of measuring things, inflation is actually at 6%. So that means that your money is devaluing by 6% a year. So every £100 you have will buy you know, £94 next year based on, on the current rate of inflation. And we're seeing this all over Europe. Uh, we're seeing it in America as well. Some countries like South Korea have, have introduced... Uh, interest rate rises. Uh, so we'll have to see. Most of us know that uh, prices are rising much faster than even the 6% RPI and, and the official rates. You know, fuel prices have gone up enormously and, and natural gas prices for heating. Uh, for some people are going to pay double for their fuel uh, uh, if, uh, prices, their fuel costs this year compared to next year. If they've happened to be unlucky enough to you know, not be not be in a fixed rate deal or their fixed rates ran out just now and they have to renew it. And, and they're finding that they've been quoted double the prices. Uh, average uh, prices uh, can, can be around last year uh, were about eight to nine hundred pounds a year. Now they've been quoted seventeen hundred pounds per year for, for the same thing. So we're seeing things change. So we know that um, raw materials in building and, and for, for restaurants and that's gone up a lot more than, than the official 6% or 4.2%. And that's the same in America as well. So they're, they're kind of, I don't really trust these figures. Could interest rates rise in the UK? Well, the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee meets on the 16th of December. And there's been strong rumours that there could be a rise of maybe a quarter percent. We don't know. Uh, if that happens, then I, th I, I would expect stock markets to fall. But we, we don't know what will happen. So, you know, look, the important thing is financial education is your best investment and the key to, to building wealth and keeping wealth. So never stop learning. Do keep watching my free podcast, listening on iTunes, watching on YouTube channel. Uh, keep keep checking those things out. And I cover financial education in my book. Yes, money can buy you happiness. I've got a new book coming out very shortly, which you can order on Amazon. Uh, and and if you're interested in property uh, I, I, in conjunction with a, a friends of mine, another a company, there is a free property web class so you can sit at home on the evening of 8th of December. It's a great, great web class. I always tune in on these because I can always learn uh, a lot from these things. It's going to be 120 minutes of content, not fluff. So, so it will be education, how to invest in buy-to-let properties, raise finance and build a, a property portfolio that could see you into your retirement. A lot of people haven't got proper pensions nowadays, so that's why they're turning to property. You'll learn proven property investment strategies, uh, guided through the best way of, of buying cash flow properties, uh, learning how unlimited finance is available, not necessarily for mortgages or banks, learning how you can buy properties without even using your own money. So look at that. You can earn 10% income with only 10% of your 
personal time. So look at that, you know, look at ways you can do this. It's certainly a good, in, it's been very good for me over the years. So click to join if you're interested in that, absolutely free. I think it's very worth well spending your time on a Tuesday which, where you would otherwise be watching Netflix or whatever. Click to join that right now. Thanks very much for listening and I'll see you soon. Bye for now.